Cheesecake Frank here, creator of Twitter 2 Regular Boogaloo, and I'm here with an exciting new product that'll knock your socks off, and it's called The Pod Begun. Wow. Now tell me, has this ever happened to you? You sit down on your plush leather reclining chair after a long, hard day working in the coal mines. A heaping, steaming pot of crusted shepherd's pie on your lap. You're settling in for a picture-perfect living room cinematic experience, but before you can even start enjoying this summer's hottest straight-to-red-box movie, trains, planes, and automobiles, two bicycles and hot air balloons as well, three completely unqualified bozos start filling your house with the worst imaginable takes. Shepherd's pie is as much as a pie as anything else. Uh, it's no. got crust. Yes. No, 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 no. I, don't I mean, think it does. mac and cheese has crust too. It's just because no, the you, pan you cook it in. What do you mean? The shepherd's pie served with crust. And it just ruins the whole mood. Now you don't even want to watch planes, trains, and automobiles, let alone the thrilling sequel, planes, trains, and automobiles too, bicycles and hot air balloons as well. What a bummer. Well. Never fear. Using space-age nano-audio technology straight from NASA itself, we've created the Pod Beyond, the all-in-one solution to the unwanted podcast blast epidemic that's destroying our nation. And the beauty of it is, you set it and forget it. Our sleek, futuristic design rests atop your TV, always listening. Always ready to protect you with our patented anti-cringe technology. Once our device detects the iconic voices of podcast bros in the vicinity, the sirens and flashing lights will start and they won't stop until those pod boys are pod gone. <laughs> it works with movies. It works with sports. It works with sports movies. Warning, does not work with Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Just listen to our testimonials. Thanks to the pod begun, I'm finally free from having to catch up on everyone's takes every time I sit down to watch something. So now I can focus on what I really love. Cyberbullying. Nice. Do you want to be the only armchair quarterback in your house? Get the pod begun now for the low, low price of $250 or three easy payments of $99.95 plus shipping and handling. Wow, that's less than one Taylor Swift ticket. What a deal. The Pod Begone is the all-in-one podcast destroyer. Available now. Call toll-free 1555 Note side effects may include annoyance, bleeding ears, taking improv classes, general pain, specific pain, pain from Naruto, suffering, loneliness, togetherness, Twitter verification, becoming a podcast for yourself, depression, recession, nausea, headaches, caffeine addiction, calling every anime in Yasha, and many, many more. The Pod Begone. Grab the best podcast silencer since the mute button today. While supplies last. Now. Make sure your kids are in bed and the doors are locked. You don't want them to see what's coming up next. Nighttime is the right time to crawl into bed with someone special and tune into another scintillating, salacious, audacious, and sexy episode of TMAO After Dark. Don't touch that dial, we'll be right back. A secret agent son held hostage. The Black Windmill. Sunday at 6 on Channel 2. There's only one two. And now, it's finally time for TMAO After Dark. Oh yeah, welcome back to another TMAO After Dark, where whether it's 5pm or 1am, it's pitch black outside and you're dead inside. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me I've got Mitch. The boat can leave now. Tell the crew. Tell the crew. Uh, I would like to encourage all of our listeners to keep the British out of your pros. God damn it. <laughs> Keep it the fuck out of your pro. We write like fucking Americans. We live in America. We fought a revolution for this. Uh, bro, it's after dark time, baby. It's pitch black out. We're, we're ticking all the boxes. It's 5 p.m. and pitch black because we live in Canada and daylight savings and... It's a real yeah. bitch. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's 5 p.m. and it's the hit Vin Diesel film Pitch Blackout, and we're ready to rock and roll. Uh, Liam is not here; he's on important business. Don't ask. 
And well, so I, I heard he was chartering some sort of boat to go to the uh, to go to the Caribbean. It's very important business. Yes. He actually wouldn't even elaborate when we asked. He in, he insisted it was for science. That was simply all we got out of him. But of course, you know what that means? We've scoured the dregs of the world for some truly fucked up shit. And uh, we've actually come up with a bit of a classic here. Mm-hmm. You, I don't, ugh, look, man, you know, I'll, I'll, I got to love with you. I don't want to talk about zombie one. Why not? Because it doesn't fit the criteria of the show. It doesn't work. Actually, it might. Well, but we didn't watch it, so to, so for this bit to work, you need to say, "Well, don't worry." <laughs> Zombie one technically might work. Why? So, Zombie one is an Italian sort of re-editing of George A. Romero's nineteen seventy-eight Dawn of the Dead. It was re-edited for Italy by Dario Argento of you know Suspiria fame, and of the score. Fame. Yeah, and the score was actually uh, also uh, redone by Goblin. So it might work. It's like the same movie, but re-edited and rehashed. So you could say it's like making another one or like spinning another one into into Zombie 1. <laughs> and then if you don't want to watch Zombie 1, though, the good news is that there is, in fact, Zombie 2. Mm-hmm. That's what we watched. That is, in fact, what we watched. Lucio Fulci, 1979. Lucio. The Italian godfather of gore. <laughs> the, the blood goat. The, the king of <laughs> gross. Daddy yuck. <laughs> the puke man. <laughs> Stinky dad. <laughs> Why is it always dad? Because he's you guys, the you guys father. something you want to talk about? <laughs> Another podcast. Yucky, stinky dad who I <laughs> who doesn't respect me. Stinky zombie dad who I have nothing in common with and can have a decent deep conversation with because we don't have a decent rapport. <laughs> dad who doesn't relate to my interests and also blood. <laughs> yeah. Um. So last time out. Uh, when we went dark mode, I know that you you opted for something a little more uh, out of left field. Yeah, this is something. This is like a tried and true. Like people know this, you know. Yeah. People talk about this. This is a quantifiable thing, for sure. I think it still occupies that sort of cult uh, gross out status that we're looking for. That like it's not a it's a well known movie, but I think if you walk up to anyone on the street and you say. Do you know Dawn of the Dead? They're going to say yes. But if you know Zombie 2, the unofficial Italian sequel, the unsanctioned Italian sequel, I should say, they might not know what you mean. Yeah, I think this is just sort of known as like, you know, a gnarly zombie movie that Mr. Fulch did, the mm-hmm. Fulch man. And um, that's sort of that. Like, I had heard of this movie for a long time. You see the poster, you know the deal, right? Um, But you know are a lot of people actually watching it probably not it is one of the it's I known guess, but like, I think like a lot of a lot of people probably talk about it and are just like yeah i don't know yeah it's one of the more celebrated films in his filmography for sure and i think it was one of the more successful ones too yeah for fulci it's a dude who i've i've heard of for like many years right uh sort of the opposite of like bob and barbara or buck and bonkers or whoever the fuck we talked about last time who whoever made <laughs> made to look at bonzo and barco or whatever bedtime um, for bonzo bedtime for barco bonzo or whatever <laughs> but uh, bedtime for yuck daddy or whatever but um you know what was i saying oh yeah lucio Fulci. <laughs> i i uh I was familiar with the man more as like myth and legend than like movies I had actually seen. So it was time to really get in there, get some of that Italian sleaze. Have you seen any of his movies? I don't know. Let me uh, look up Lucio Fulci movies. It's <laughs> <laughs> after dark, baby. Liam's not here to, to tell us what to do. Uh, Yeah, that tyrant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, fuck that guy. Uh. None of this is ringing. I feel like I've heard of I've heard of these, some of them certainly. The black cat is like ringing a bell for some reason. I don't know why. 
Uh, there is a 30s movie that's uh, also the Black Cat. The Beyond. There's a lot of movies called that, probably. Wax Mask. Um, Nope, I don't think so. No. <laughs> don't um, Torture a Duckling? That's a pretty well-known one by him. I haven't even heard of that until right now. It's a giallo. A lizard in woman's skin? That's a cool movie. The Eroticist? The Wait, hang on. Stop. We hold on. Right before he made "Don't Torture a Duckling," he made the eroticist. Do you want to hear how this is described on Wikipedia? Oh, please do. I, have, the, I haven't seen it. I'm, I'm not familiar. I don't know the plot. That's not even the part I'm going to say. But this is very funny. The eroticist is. Hang on, it's literally described as despite appearances and provided the nation doesn't know the senator likes women. <laughs> what? The, the title of the movie is despite appearances. Dot dot dot, and provided the nation doesn't know. Dot dot dot, the senator likes women. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't get it. I don't either. Maybe you had to be there, but so it says the eroticist is a 1972 Italian commedia, sexy all Italiana film directed by Lucio Fulci. <laughs> it had censorship problems and was banned shortly after its release. Huh. Yeah, he did make comedies. He What is a but what is commedia sexy all Italiana? Hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there was a bunch of those sort of <laughs> sexy uh, Italian movies that were uh like in, in the 60s and 70s that were these big uh comedic affairs, divorce Italian style, Bacow 70. Uh, you know, I I definitely mispronounced the last one, but um yeah sorry hold on can i sidebar sidebar side sidebar so first of all all italiana is spelled a-l-l apostrophe i-t-a-l-i-a-n-a uh and if you look it up uh the commedia sexy all italiana literally sex comedy italian style is a subgenre of italian commedia all italiana film genre and the picture says Laura Antonelli in one of the Commedia Sexy's most iconic scenes from The Naked Cello. And it's a naked <laughs> woman. It's a, just a naked woman playing a cello. <laughs> the naked cello right on. I need you to... I can't, Dude, it really is after dark. We're sharing nudity in the group chat. <laughs> oh, dear. This Wikipedia up. page is loaded with nudity. Well, not loaded. There's two instances of nudity. Holy shit! It's, it's like it's like right up. It's like the first picture. <laughs> I know. It's, it's very tasteful. <laughs> Extremely. You're only really even seeing like one boob <laughs> hidden behind a cello. This is a class affair. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, you were saying something that wasn't this. Yeah, I mean, Fulci made a lot of different kinds of movies. He's definitely remembered these days for his gore, obviously, and his horror films, splatter films, video nasties, all that shit. But he got started like making movies in the 50s, and he made like uh, like swords and sandals epics. He made... Uh, the hit film Challenge to White Fang. <laughs> yeah, I think he made like four or three or four different wet well more than that he made many spaghetti westerns like italian westerns um i've seen four of the apocalypse and it's actually quite good um so yeah he he got around and did a lot of different movies but he definitely came into his own when he um made really fucked up horror films so i've i've seen quite a few of his movies um i'm a big fan of house by the cemetery i think that might be my favorite lucio fulci movie it's really great um, I've seen New York Ripper. I've seen I've, Don't Torture a Duckling, which is a great uh, Giallo film. So I've I've seen um I I mean to, I've been meaning to see The Beyond. Have not seen it yet. Uh, but uh, City of the Living Dead too is another decent one. I'm not crazy about it, but it's got good effects. You can always get good effects and kind of um enjoy like the the splattery splendor of his movies, but um, they're often just like completely incoherent and <laughs> like, you just have no idea. Dude's where just out there go. catching a fucking vibe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of it, some of his movies are downright obscene. I'm looking up one right now. Cause I forget the name. I've, I've not seen it, but I'm going to read you the, the premise. Uh, 
Welcome to Reading Wikipedia Pages, the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Il Fantasma di Sodoma, which is essentially about six teenagers being terrorized in an isolated villa by ghosts of Nazis killed during the war. <laughs> so, like, just like That's gross, not what I thought you were going to say at gross all. Gross exploitation films. Uh, just absolutely obscene, obscure... Um, just incomprehensible premises that exist solely to be exploitative. He was a, like a a real maestro of just making movies that are gross. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty jokes. That that does sort of sound like if you took the movie like The Keep or something, and you crossed it with like Friday the Thirteenth, basically. Yeah, <laughs> like or Sallow or something, right? Yeah, uh, a little bit of all of it. You know, all the good ones. Yeah. So Lucio Fulci, yeah. Um, I'm I'm a fan of his work. We were talking about sort of why this movie qualifies as making another one, but we didn't really get into because it's after dark, baby. Yeah, it's true. We don't have any rules with after dark. We can fly fast and loose. We can do whatever we want. It's like if Icarus could fly super close or Daedalus. Which one dies? Icarus flies close to the sun. Okay, what ha- what happened to Daedalus in this scenario? I don't I, I don't remember, but Icarus is the guy who builds the wings and the wings are made out of shit. And then, hang on, hang on, hang on, stop. I don't hang on. Before I say this, Icarus. Day duh. Um So Icarus is Daedalus's son. Ah. Daedalus warns Icarus first of complacency and then hubris, instructing him to fly neither too low nor too high. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to make sure Daedalus wasn't the one that dies as fuck. So what I all I was going to say is that we can fly it like the after dark is like what if Icarus could fly into the sun mm-hmm. is sort of the thought process. After dark is when you lower your, your defenses when you normally shoot down all my ideas <laughs> and uh, I we kind of just run with reckless abandon. It's great. Also, man, did fucking Daedalus go through enough? Did Daedalus's son also have to die after like the wings? melted wax to his bones was it not enough to be like the dude who builds all the cool shit and then uh you know built the fucking minotaur cave labyrinth and then gets fucked around by one girl who's giving one enemy prince one ball of string and then he's like ah fuck now i'm stuck in the labyrinth son of a bitch um and then his son died. It's a bad parent. It's completely actually correction. Fault. They don't get locked in the labyrinth. They are trying to leave the place they live. Um, in any case, d- dude has gone through enough. He got trapped on that fucking island. Theseus is a real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, bro. Big yeah. Time. <laughs> anyway, so why does this movie qualify as they made another one? Um because of obscure italian film copyright laws that pretty much dictate that um you know if you can make a sequel to really anything in your in your country if it um like if you have like a domestic sort of like spin-off you can kind of run buck wild and make as many sequels as you want so they made as many sequels as they could to this and and there's i think th- there's several italian ones some of which have been sort of forgotten and are obscure but there's definitely three i think there might be as many as five uh zombie movies lucio fulci had a hand in zombie three i know in 1988 uh, i'm not sure about the others but you've got a wild run yeah dude was really on some shit and uh we were like you know let's 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 get funny and goofy and silly and talk about a real uh nasty a real a real goopy goopy gory glumpy kind of movie um so we did and you know all of the big hitters are here we've got al cliver <laughs> and the big deal and uh uh tisa farrow and ian mcculloch who has to get all that goddamn fucking british out of his goddamn pros for once and also we've got dakar just Dakar. Dakar. You know? Yeah, Ian McCullough is... Um, They've reformatted IMDb's website, and I fucking hate it. Yeah, it's the worst. I'm going oh, through it right now, too. Oh, my I'm, God. I'm really struggling. Just uh, give me a list. Yeah. Oh, my 
god like now i have to hit c all to go through people's credits like this feels stupid anyway yeah but if you're a if you're a fan of like uh 60s and sort of 70s movies uh you might have seen ian mccullough around he's been in a few things where uh, eagles dare yeah that, that's probably like the most notable one that i can sort of name him in um otherwise kind of like a lot of a lot of mid stuff <laughs> he's posting mid i would say so um and I saw a review for like the Blu-ray release of Zombie and it's like it said something to the effect of Zombie 2's like restoration is looking wonderful and doing a great service to everyone's work except for Ian or, or, or McCullough's hairline. So Yeah, it's pretty brutal. It is. And then uh Pharaoh, sister of Mia Pharaoh, uh <laughs> what it's true. What? Why are you why are you laughing at me? I've looked this up. I've done research. All right. right. Okay, this is the words of IMDb, not me, because for some reason the biography says like this. Attractive willowy brunette Tisa Farrow was born Teresa Magdalena Farrow. Whatever. She is the daughter of writer-director John Farrow and Maureen O'Sullivan and the sister of Mia Farrow. Huh. Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, She didn't do a ton but she's in this movie and she's also in a movie called fingers uh which i think is great i recently watched freddie got fingered with cameron the other night of course uh, you did i really liked it <laughs> friend, friend of the show, cameron who you'll remember best perhaps for our lady snowblood app yeah i think he was also here for sorcerer he was yeah but you know real ogs will know Lady Lady Snowblood is where it's at. Mm-hmm. So who's next on the on the list? Oh, I'm not doing the whole thing. Are you crazy? Okay, all right. In this economy, bro. Dick Johnson, well, Richard Johnson, but Dick Johnson's funnier. So I went with that. <laughs> That's a great name. I I did laugh when I saw that in the credits. Uh, he what does he do? He he fucks around. Surely, he's in the haunting. He's in. Uh, he plays distinguished gentleman in Lara Croft Tomb Raider. <laughs> he was in the Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Oh, significantly less funny than that thing I said before. Um, what's another funny one? Magnum PI. This is great radio. Scrolling through lists. That's why I'm not doing everybody. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. We totally Oret- prepared for this one. Oretta Gay. Stefania DeMario and many others. It's in Midsummer Murders, which including is including Lucio Fulci. <laughs> He's in the movie as Peter's news editor, who he keeps calling Chief for some reason. Uh, though I feel strongly that no, uh, no editor in chief has been called Chief ever. I mean, I it was the it was the '70s, but no newsroom I've ever worked in has ever had that. Anyway, so this movie's about zombies and what would happen if they were real, and the answer is things would get pretty fucked up. Uh, it starts with a boat in New York's famous New York Harbor in New York, New York. Uh, it it starts a little bit before that with a uh, with a, a little snippet a little oh yeah the zombie. opening of this movie is actually hardcore as hell the opening um, fucking rule the opening is like, so the opening shot is staring down the barrel of a gun that then shoots somebody in the fucking head it was wrapped up like a burrito in a sort of a with ropes in yeah a bed it, sheet. it looks like like a nightmare torture thing mm-hmm. and uh the boat can leave now the boat Tell can the leave crew. now that'll be important later it will. uh so yeah, this movie starts with somebody getting absolutely viscerally domed and like not in a cool not in the cool comedia sexy all Italiana way. Uh, and uh then cut to an abandoned bo- sailboat in New York City that unfortunately for these police officers appears to have a singular zombie inside of it. <laughs> that zombie kills a man. Yeah, he does. Um, Poor Coast Guard. Yeah, 
I guess, yeah, they're not really cops. They're the Coast Guard. Yeah. Which is sort of like the the water army that's not the Navy. I guess. Huge d- disparity in salary, too. Yeah, they look, they're sort of dressed up like uh, security, like they're the water security. Yeah. Anyway, there's a nasty uh, boat filled with piano bugs, and a man gets horribly maimed to death. Anyway, I'm going to try to actually give a brief plot synopsis instead of like a joke stumbling my way through all these words. Do it. Um, so the issue that they're facing is a man gets eaten to death by a zombie on a boat in New York. And one woman is like, yo, that's my dad's boat. Do you know where my dad is? And the news is like, we got to get a big scoop. <laughs> so a newspaper reporter and a woman who doesn't know where her dad is, uh, go pretend to have sex on this boat to hide from the police and get a tip to go to an island in the Caribbean. Matul. Where, Matul. Where just her dad was, her dad was at. Yeah, I've heard of it. We all know, you know, you love it. And um, they need to find out what's going on there. What's going on there is sort of a bit of an island of Doctor Moreau sort of adjacent situation. Some white mm-hmm. doctors showed up to an island full of indigenous people, uh, and just sort of started fucking around. Less in like a we want to turn animals and people into animal people kind of way, and more in a. It appears that you have zombies here. That seems bad. Maybe I'll try to get to the bottom of that one. Um, at least in the in voodoo, uh, and at least to the positive framing of the guy who claims that he wasn't there to do fucked up shit and thinks voodoo is weird. So they then go try to find her dad, and what results is a bunch of uh, zombie problems. I think is what I, how I would describe it. Hmm. Yeah, zombie problems. Then, I think that could be like the the second title for this movie the world may in fact end up having even bigger zombie problems who can say it might be i don't know get to the end of the synopsis uh because people keep using their phones am i right (laughs) it's the biggest zombie problems we could have anyway zombies are also they're still in new york city on account of remember the beginning of the movie when there was a literal zombie in new york city so no matter what they've achieved on this island trying to keep all the zombies there except for the fact that they bring one with them as proof, um, the world is already zombie-fucked anyway. In a genuinely mm-hmm. good ending, I think. <laughs> that it is a neat. hilarious ending with, with the zombies walking up the Brooklyn Bridge, and yeah. then there's and the guy traffic doing below. the news. Yeah, the, first of all, the guy doing the news report, I'm just like, ah, they're in here now. They're going to eat her, and then they're going to eat me, is the energy that he's bringing to All that. the boroughs of New York. But yeah, just, National Guard cannot contain them. And then you just, just see the like, rush traffic. hour going on. Business is normal because they obviously didn't have the budget to stop traffic on Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's kind of the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think you're neglecting one critical part, too. Please. Uh, an underwater fight between a zombie and a shark a real that's shark true. a real bull shark and a real zombie a lot of people don't know that yeah that's true that's true a lot of people don't know, don't know that lucio there's a wild fulci story about that, that we can get into lucio fulci killed the stuntman and created that zombie so they could get that shot very nearly so, what actually before happened? we get to that oh what did you think of zombie it's okay um <laughs> uh i was bored a lot um <laughs> Like a lot, uh, but the gore is cool, and they make some wild decisions. Mm-hmm. Is how I would put it. Every once in a while, something happens, and you're just like, "What the fuck? This is crazy." <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but a lot of that is interspersed with uh, really boring stuff. Yeah, really boring stuff. Incoherent dialogue, character like choices that make no sense. Um, but that's just that's kind of just like part of Fulci's charm. It's the vibe. Is that like it's barely lucid storytelling? Yeah, well, I'm I'm not here for the storytelling. I'm here for the the gore. Yeah, and there's mostly good. There's some gnarly stuff. Every once in a while, they'll just be like, "What if a zombie fought a shark?" Or what if somebody got uh, the world's largest piece of wood in their eye, <laughs> or something like that? Just suddenly happens. Hmm. Uh. But in between, it's just a lot of boring talking from some pretty uninspired performances. 
Yeah, the film really doesn't pick up until like the last 20 minutes, and that climax is still kind of lame. It goes on for a long time, uh, yeah. and it's just sort of a couple people fucking with some zombies, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it might have seemed at least slightly more novel in 1979, but even then, probably not by much. Well, I think you compare this to a film like Dawn of the Dead, which is like the original source material. And uh, that movie, I think, goes way further. And I think it's it's a much uh, better made movie. This one is just sort of like a spinoff that's kind of capitalizing on the success of, of that movie and the name Zombie, uh, which was exported internationally as like the international version of, of Dawn of the Dead, right? So... <sighs> It feels closer, I think, in a lot of ways to earlier zombie films from like the 40s. Like I Walked with a Zombie or The Walking Dead from the 1930s. Right. Um, you know, the, those kinds of zombie films that are kind of infused with, uh, I guess, like the voodoo. Um, yeah, they really want to say the word voodoo as many times as humanly possible. They do. And there's really like no evidence of it. Like the, you, you hear like the, no meaningful voodoo is practiced in this film. They just sort of like weirdly exotic, exoticize it by being like, ah, yeah, it's the, the natives are doing voodoo. And then you're like, you never see them, is, though. This is a couple people that speak Spanish. <laughs> like this is yeah. like, what are you talking about? And another thing that's kind of ridiculous is is how they're like, oh, yes, I can hear the drums in the distance. And it's like, motherfucker, we've heard these drums playing for half the movie and I'm fucking sick of it. Yeah, there's a lot of the drums. And then just like the problem is like, and this is maybe just like casual racism or like generalized incoherence. But it's like they keep being like, "Ah, yes, the natives and the mysterious ways. And then they'll cut to a shot that's just like a town. Yeah. (laughs) And. I don't want that sentence to sound like I'm saying that, you know, they should have made it. So it was just like a a tribe and like, that's all that can happen. there. that's not what I mean, but it's like the things that the way that the indigenous people are being described and then what we see, it's like, motherfucker, they're not up to anything. That's a street. (laughs) That's a street in a town. Like they, they have all this. It is really lazy storytelling. It's like, it's like, that's a Mazda. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're driving like, sir, that is someone's house, and I don't think anything amiss is going on. This is a it's, Wendy's, bro. What are you talking about? It is pretty ridiculous, and it, I feel like the 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 blame of this of the zombie epidemic sort of it feels as though they try and pin it on voodoo, but it also kind of rests on the shoulders of uh, Dick Johnson, Alameo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you with this movie. Um, it's got I, its moments, but... I've seen it. This is the third time I've seen it. Um, I watched it once in high school with two friends. And we pretty much had the same conclusion that, that I do now, where it's like, yeah, you know, like that's a pretty rough movie. It's it's very cheesy. It's It's got that hilarious sort of uh, thing that all Italian productions kind of had, where it's uh, like not synchronized sound so you have like wild adr essential baby yeah wild dubbing and uh there's there's like a reason for that like um, i expected it to be worse honestly in that regard some of it's really bad like especially with the chief in the newsroom it's hilarious yeah um but it's 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 interesting like do you you know anything about the history of that in italy and why they did that for a lot of their movies i mean I think I do. I'm going to say something that I'm kind of pulling out of my ass and I may be wrong, but if I remember right, um, I believe part of it would be, I'm I'm sure part of it is just if you ever shot a movie in Italian and then, you know, wanted to repurpose it for a different market, Mm. you just ADR it. But I think part of it was like, you would have a, a mix of actors, like some actors who could speak Italian and then other actors who could not speak Italian just sort of acting at each other and then you could fix it later is that what it was that's true but the the origins of it actually go much deeper um like in in italy in the film industry in in the 30s when when synchronized sound kind of came about uh and when when i guess like the uh when sound came about in general um they were under a fascist government and benito benito mussolini's son was actually in charge of like the film industry in italy and um 
so like all those like great Italian directors, you know, like Vittorio De Sica, Federico Fellini, uh, Visconti, they all had to report to Mussolini's son. And uh, the idea was that uh, they didn't want to synchronize sound and they wanted to do all the sound in post so that it could be uh, controlled by the government and they wouldn't sneak any subversive hidden messages into the sound design of the film. And so they could stick precisely to a script that's been agreed upon. Um and so from that, like that sort of tradition of just like dubbing all the movies and not recording sound on set happened. And then by the time you have like the 50s and the 60s and even the earlier in the 40s, when sort of Italian neorealist films started uh, being exported to America, that worked to their advantage because it made them more exportable, like you said. And you could have a wide array of different sort of stars in your movies. Like you could have Burt Lancaster aside, Alain Delon, Claudia Cardinale, right? Um people from all different parts of the world, like Italy, France, and America, all acting in the same movie. So it, it, it worked and there was a kind of a skillfulness to it. And a lot of these older directors that worked in the film industry way back were just used to that. So that's why they did it. And clearly it was for the best, obviously. Uh, I think it adds a kind of a charm, like that that sort Absolutely. of phony it's sound design that 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 feels like it's because of been in a can. You know, I, I find it very charming and endearing, and it's one of the reasons why I I keep coming back to these Italian movies because they they are like cheesy and kind of funny, but they're also kind of like a comfort food in that sense. Like yeah, I'm all, I know I'm gonna have a laugh at, at you know that. what you're getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking zombie 2 no I, I definitely come down on the on the same sorts of uh things and there's not really that much to to talk about with this there's movie it's again, significantly less to chew on than you would expect given it's like legacy mm-hmm. because you get in there and it's like there's a couple highlight moments i think the opening is one yeah the eye is another the shark thing is another uh, I did particularly enjoy when they have to pretend to be like two fucking around teens or having an affair to get out of the, dealing with the cop. And he's yeah. like, I would have been fine with an empty box car. And she's like, I'm not fucking you in a box car again. You're just like your mom. Like that was just a genuinely funny. Like, yeah, it's a funny exchange. That's a really good scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the decor of the airport. All yeah. high points. But there's a lot of like talking and setting up what's actually happening at other points. Mm-hmm. which is just sort of slow and like confusing you know and it takes a lot of the momentum out of things and then every once in a while we get a cool shot where like she's in the shower and then that hand appears from like under the camera you're like damn that was cool as fuck but then that scene ends with the eye thing and then it like goes back and it's like i oh, guess now we're just talking again and you're like oh okay well, yep that's pretty much the the whole it's movie. It's a real back and forth. It is. It's a it's a wildly inconsistent movie. Um and I think what you get out of it is just going to kind of be like in bit pieces, right? Like you might like this part, you might spend a lot of time being kind of bored. I think it is a good like kind of pizza and chill movie like if you're sitting there with a group of people and you're just ready to kind of make fun of something, you're going to have a good time. And uh, the gore, I think, and, and those effects are all top shelf, but I think some of the other stuff are just, is some of the other effects are, are kind of stupid, especially when you combine it with the editing. Like, uh, for example, like the Molotov throws near the end. I think they repeat like the same throw like five times. <laughs> yeah, she show when right before she gets the wood in her eye, she shoves that dresser up against the door to block it like three times, and it's like, okay, just repeat um, shots. It's really bizarre how this movie does that. Yeah, it's weird because it doesn't seem like. It didn't need a lot of padding, so like it feels like a weird ch- like choice to mm-hmm. do that. It's very bizarre. Um, also, the way it's like, it, like the narrative thrust of just being like, "Who are you, the guy creeping around a crime scene in my boat?" Ah, yes, I'm a reporter man. Would you like to go to the Dominican Republic so we could find your dad and I can get a scoop? And they're just like, "Yeah, sure," <laughs> and you're like, "Oh." okay but i do think this does benefit a lot though from having a particular brand of like 70s-ness all over it you know like that sort of grime it's it's all there you know it's it's everything you want and nothing you don't in that regard of having that very particular feel of the decade Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely sort of 70s 75 like like i um 
I know like the decision to put the the zombie shark fight was really I think capitalizing off of uh, Jaws, Jaws. Like the, the Jaws phenomenon, right? Which was in '77, and the producers had actually made a uh, like a a production in Mexico that was pretty much just like a reproduction of Jaws, uh, but it was also like softcore porn at the same time. I don't remember the name of the movie. Ah, uh, yes, Commedia Sexual Italiana. Yeah, it's called Tintoria Shark Attack. Um, it's from 1977 as well. And uh, the author who wrote that story, Ramon uh, Bravo, ended up fighting the shark, but it was by purely by by chance. It was supposed <laughs> the to shark be, made fun of him. <laughs> it was supposed to be a guy named Re- Rene uh, Cardona, who was a, a shark trainer. He was also uh, an Olympic swimmer in 1948, and he was like a scuba uh, guide for Jacques Cousteau. I don't know if you're familiar with Jacques Cousteau. He's something of a hero. Of course, a I'm hero human. to me. Um, but yeah, he was like a, an underwater, uh, oceanographer and uh, film director who made a bunch of like underwater movies with the advent of underwater cameras in the, in the fifties and sixties. And, uh, he always wore a red hat. And so they paid homage to him in, uh, life aquatic, uh, the Wes Anderson movie. Yes. Anyway. Um, is that what the hats are for? Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly just paying, paying homage. Now I know. I've learned. Cousteau, I think. Because uh, that was he was pretty much always photographed wearing a red hat at sea, and um, but anyway, so the uh, uh, Cardona couldn't make it to to shoot the scene. He was he was uh, disposed. So he was fighting a different shark for different reasons, I guess. And so they <laughs> they got a second guy just to do it by chance. Uh, his name is uh, Ramon Bravo, and. Uh, he has done a bunch of other underwater sort of stunt choreography. He did it for License to Kill with the the shark scene in that movie, the Bond film. Uh, so yeah, he was just sort of like unwittingly thrown in to fight the shark and uh, they fed the shark beforehand. So it was like, you know, not too irritable. He'd been fed. He wasn't looking for a meal. And then they also pumped this shark full of tranquilizers. And uh so Ramon could pretty much just brawl the shark and do death-defying work. And there's a, like an effect where the shark bites his, the Ramon's arm off. Like it's not really his arm; it's a fake arm. But it's uh, it's incredible stunt work. Like I think this movie is worth watching just for that alone. If you're okay with the ethics of of well, getting yeah, I was gonna say done. couldn't help but notice at the credits that there was not no animals have been harmed in the making. Yeah. Also, they trank the fuck out of that shark. Speaking of the credits, they don't even give Ramon Bravo a credit for Bro. the zombie who fought the shark. He fought a fucking shark to make a this real movie, ass real shark, and Bro. they didn't even give him a credit. Which is insanity. Yeah, that's fucked. What? It is like, I think, a remarkable scene and I think like a high point in this movie. And I think it's worth watching this movie if you want to see just like a man in a zombie costume fight a shark because it's kind of legendary camp. Yeah. Well, and there's other moments that, you know, like you'll get through this 90 minutes like absolutely fine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But... You know, I do think this is like I. I'm always kind of loath to be like this is a group viewing movie, because, you know, it's 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 always kind of like the so bad it's good label or whatever tends to get that sort of like oh you should watch it with people like this is like if you want to get through the dull parts you should watch it with people and not just be bored. Yeah, you know, because otherwise you're just going to sort of be bored. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just kind of how it how it works with this one um highs and lows not unlike the hit akira kurosawa film rashomon <laughs> so w- where do we go from here i'm like i'm looking at the clock we've only been here for 41 minutes and i'm like i know oh. i really thought we were gonna kind of squeeze more from this stone you know what i mean yeah but there's really not a lot to say about it no like, do you want to see some cool gore effects sometimes and a guy fight a shark? Mm-hmm. I've got great news. Um, if you don't want to see that, I've got horrible news. And if you want to see anything else, I've still got bad news. Um, I think this is probably another movie that would actually also likely benefit from maybe a double feature. If you're with some people, you know, like something else you can get up to afterwards what would you pair this movie with 
Uh, I think it could be decently paired with Dawn of the Dead. Uh, yeah. It's interesting to kind of see... <laughs> like, this isn't quite your, like, Dawn of the Dead goes Hawaii, but it, it's... Because it's more, you know, goes to the close. Antilles. But you're close. You're close. Um, God, and like, y- there, you know there are we some... love it when something goes Hawaiian. Yeah, we do love that. We eat that shit up on this podcast. But there is, um, like, some really great, I think, like Fulci is, I, I love him and his work in a lot of cases, just because you see like what might've been, or you're kind of seeing what he's grasping at or what he's trying to get. And he doesn't always get it, but there are like traces of like what could have been better or like ideas that he just doesn't develop staircases that are built to nowhere. And I think that there's a lot of good stuff about that. Like, for example, when like the graveyard of Spanish conquistadors start like coming alive oh. and coming out of the ground, like that's really great stunt work or not stunt work, but um, special effects of of these dude. Well, and like when they when when they're just lying down on the ground resting, and then like hands and faces just like appear through dirt. Mm-hmm. That's just a genuinely great visual idea, like being fairly well executed on. Yeah. That just goes hard. Like And also I think like the historical kind of um underpinnings too of that with the fact that it's a conquistador's graveyard, right? And they they were unwelcome there and so are Yeah. Uh, these like people. a better thought out movie would lean into that more. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um but that's it it's like a really interesting sequence and I think some of the best gore in the movie is, is there. Uh, at least the practical effect, practical effects in the zombies, especially that one that has just worms in its eyes. Like I can't even comprehend being that dude. Like, yeah, it's a real level of commitment. Of yeah, God. So here's an, another pairing question for you. If you had to make a bev that would pair with this film, <laughs> what direction are you taking that in? Uh, definitely going to be some gummy worms and not like the brightly colored ones. Like I would probably go for like the pinky fleshy looking gummy worms. Yeah. Or maybe like the, the like, uh, cola ones, like the brown ones. Yeah. I would also probably, uh, like, you know how a lot of tequila sometimes comes with like a dead bug in the bottom of the bottle? Yeah. Like as a threat. Yeah. Yeah. I would spill that, that bug into the bottom of the drink. Um, Okay. What kind would, of drink are we cooking with here? Like, is it a tequila-based bev? I'd probably do it with white rum or like a like maybe like a Haitian rum. Okay, ha- Haitian rum barbancourt maybe. Uh, although that's not typically light, I would do I would do some of that like a darker Haitian rum. I would do like a lighter Cuban rum because it's in the Antilles and you know Cuba's. Uh, I think when in the Antilles, you know, I think a part of that. You got it's great, that classic sank. Again, it's great rum. I mean, uh, I said the country. Caribbean earlier, and I was just completely wrong. So like, you know. We're playing pretty fast and loose here. We sure are. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would I would do like two different kinds of rums, and then I think to color it, I don't think I would go with grenadine. I, it would be tempting, but it's too. It is a bright sort of color. It would be blood, tempting. We all know that <laughs> the blood in this movie is so it's sort of like bright and grenadine like. So maybe I would use like a like a like a store bought roses grenadine, just so it's like that electric red color. But then I would also add some ch- uh, cherry morlaco, which is sometimes called the blood of the morlaco. And they were a Venetian mercenary. And this is what they drank uh, long ago. And it's like a cherry liqueur. And it's really good. So I would add that. Where did, at, what, at what store do you buy the blood of the morlaco? <laughs> you buy it at the LCBO. They've really? Yeah, Luxardo makes it, which is an eminent uh, <laughs> producer of Italian liqueurs. They're great. Damn, they it's just available. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's wonderful. I have like two bottles. I think I bought like the last three bottles in the city. <laughs> yeah, so you need some. So you need some mercenary blood. You need various rums. Bit of, li- need, a bit of lime. Bit of lime. You need a bit of lime. You need some gummy worms. The fucked up looking ones. Yeah. What are we calling this? Uh, zombie two. How do you do? <laughs> Z- zombie brew. <laughs> zombie brew. <laughs> yeah. The island of Dick Johnson. <laughs> Dick Johnson's <laughs> island. The island of Dr. Dick Johnson. Uh, the Comedia Sexy Alitaliana Beverage. That's honestly, I think, a better name. 
Uh, that's about all the podcast padding I can think so of. So do you do you think that you would enjoy acting in a movie like this? Like, would you... Because some productions... Acting we, in it? Some productions that we watch, it's like, yeah, this seems like it would be a great fucking time. Other times, it's like, I think it depends who you are in this movie. If you're the guy who has worms in his eyes, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how high on this list, on the list of, like productions i would want to be a part of that this would really rank because i think there's a lot of other movies i can think of where it seems like everybody's just having a blast and you're like yeah i would rather do that like where it's it feels very transparently fun whereas this is like a maybe if you're the right guy on the right day you know you might have a good time maybe not i mean maybe it's an excuse to uh you know have a little tropical getaway but i feel like there's there's too much there's too many other risks associated with a production like this. Like maybe you accidentally get thrown in to fight a shark that's been given tranquilizers. Yeah. It, you know, you are just taking into your cans the potential that uh, you end up having to be the guy who fights the shark. Because mm-hmm. maybe the shark fighting guy won't show up. Which Maybe seems he uh, didn't in this case, and so he really burned whoever had to pick up the slack there. Yeah, and not even to get a credit. Tough sell, Lucio. You know, sometimes that's all there is to it. You know, we don't gotta. You know, we don't have to force anything that's not there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, zombie two, watch it if you want. I'd say watch it. It's a yeah, yeah. from me. It's a yes from me. I, yes I still like me. it. Yeah, it's not like a complete waste of your time or anything, but like, you know, do it with a group of people and then maybe you'll have more to riff on because you've like invented a funny bit about like drinking every time X thing happens. Mm-hmm. And uh maybe you won't have a cold when you watch it, which I would in- I-, I would suggest and endorse. Um just sort of generally. Uh maybe you won't have to work the next day after you watch it. I would also sort of support that. Yep. Uh Maybe you haven't been on a shoot all day. I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to sort of like spice up your viewing. You could drink that. You could drink the the Commedia Sexy Alitaliana drink. The blood um, of the Morocco. You could drink the blood of the Morocco straight out of the bottle. You could. I I wouldn't, but you could. I'd rec- I don't see you probably could. It's kind of like, it's a lower ABV. I think it's like, like uh, I don't know, like 20%. Is it sweet? Yes, yeah, very sweet. Yeah, that's, that might be the bigger detractor. Although right? it's not like too sweet. It's got like also like a, a tart aspect to it. I think it's divine to sip, especially you add a little bit of, little bit of soda, a little bit of ice. Delicious. Like you could drink it on its own. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you could shoot it neat. But so, it's better if you combine it with a bit of gin, maybe. I don't know, a bit of rum. Yeah. So if you drink that, uh, email tmaopodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear about that, uh, your experience with the drink. Uh, figure out the proportions yourself. What are we, a mixology podcast? Um, <laughs> fucking figure it out. I could run uh, out the specs. <laughs> yeah, you know, if we've come up with specs by the time this episode comes out, we'll include them. But if not, you know, put it in God's hands. It's fine. Um, you know where the podcast is. You can find it on the internet. We don't need to tell you that. After uh, Dark, baby. After Dark, baby. Mitch, do you have anything you want to plug after Dark? The boat can leave now. Tell the crew. <laughs> Began to run and run and um, run. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>